back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for October 14th, 2019. Featuring poet Patricia Spears Jones leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more info and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Jerry Wagoner, Bonnie Belay, Renee Kay, VJR Nathan, Phil Eggers, Harvey Sauce, Tim Gerber Fleury, Kiara DeLalo, Constantine Jones, Ricardo Hernandez, Luca Rade, Melody Chaikali, Jared Friend, Seth Jablon, Arthur Russell, Shanice Hughes Greenberg, Kyle Brosnahan, Bill Livingston, Kendall Thomas, Josephine Blair, Anderson Holderness, Jasmine Pyrick, and Kelly Gann McGarter. So let's get right to the action, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for October. Enjoy. How's everyone doing? That was just basically everyone ignoring me. How's everyone doing? All right. I appreciate uh, signs of human presence. That's an important thing in life. Welcome to the Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic. Uh, it's a great crowd. Definitely, you guys are using your holiday well. Sometimes people are like, why are you scheduling the Yop on a holiday? I'm like, what better day for poets to come uh, listen to poems and read poems? So, welcome. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Jason Koo. I will be your host and MC for the Open Mic. Uh, a couple of announcements before we begin, and then I'll lay down the ground rules for how we do things at the Open Mic. Uh, as I mentioned at the end of the workshop, if you weren't here, we have uh, four workshops left that are five weeks long, as well as one single session workshop. So five workshops in total, if you can do math. Not every poet can do math, but I'm sure all of you are multitasking type of poets, as I am. Uh, definitely check those out. One of those workshops is led by Patricia Spears Jones, who is here tonight, and that deadline is this Sunday. So definitely check those out. Uh, in other news, the uh, Hudson Valley Retreat, which is our first retreat of this kind, which is the first weekend of December at the Garrison Institute uh, upstate on the Hudson River. If you've never been there before, it's a pretty amazing place. That uh, early registration deadline is, has been pushed actually to next Wednesday. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but we pushed it back to give people uh, more time to save money. So if you are interested in that, $100 off registration until Wednesday, October 23rd. It is actually super cheap. Uh, I mean, as retreats go, it's not like cheap like a taco is on Taco Tuesday, but it's pretty fucking cheap as far as retreats go uh, over the weekend to study with poets uh, and to be in like a spiritual center. So definitely check that out, brokenpoets.org. It's under the events tab. People sometimes go to our website and I'm just like, have you ever looked at a website there before? Like they use the contact message. Maybe some of you in here have done this. So I'm sort of teasing you right now. People would be like, uh, how do I find the information on your workshops? I'm like, you're literally writing me from the website where all that information is. So spend a little time there. Don't click on it and then go somewhere else or just then like email me like, what the hell is going on? Um, okay, 
Let's move on to the ground rules of open mic because uh, it's already 8.30 and we definitely want to get this show on the road. If you are reading tonight, you get one poem of three minutes max on the mic. The reason why we limit you to that is you can look at the room. You see all these people here. A lot of these people are just dying to have your advanced spot if you're on the advanced list. Some of them are on the wait list and they're just begging for a chance to read their poem tonight. So please keep your time limit. Please keep to the number of poems because uh, if you keep to the time limit, we can get as many poets up here as possible. We definitely like to get to at least three or four people on the wait list every month. Uh, every month we vote for poem of the month, uh, and the way you do that is by texting me at 718-374-1953. Don't worry, I am going to repeat that number very soon. Uh, you just text me the poet's name. I ask that you wait until the end of the night to vote. Right here is Kyle Brosnahan is our winner of poem of the month last month. Let's give him a round of applause. That was a fantastic poem you read last month. Uh, the winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year, starting with December 2018, all the way through next month, November 2019, will compete for Poem of the Year honors in December. It's almost upon us. I can't believe time is moving this fast. I'm definitely getting old because I feel like we just started this thing like uh, a couple months ago, but we are almost there. So in the December YOP, all 12 winners of Poem of the Month over the past year will compete for Poem of the Year honors. So your vote is important. Uh, it's not like New York when you're voting in the general election, you're like, well, it's going to be blue anyway. And you're like, does it really matter if I vote? Yes, it matters. But this vote matters a little more. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the number, once again, to vote 718-374-1953. Try to wait till the end of the night. Just give me the poet's name. That's the easiest way. 718-374-1953. We also record the open mic as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. Thank you to all of you who have voted us, uh, rated us, <laughs> voted us, what the fuck does that mean? Rated us on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate your five-star ratings. If you are interested in giving us less than a five-star rating, just don't do that. Just uh, <laughs> give us a five-star rating. We love that. Or just, or, or just ignore us. <laughs> I think we're up to 30 or we're, we're getting close. So uh, whoever is going to be the 30th would be amazing. It would be really great if we had like 3,000. But uh, I don't think there's enough numbers in here to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slowly but surely. But thanks for rating us. If you have, uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, you don't have to be. Just talk to me afterward. We can take you off the recording. I don't know why you would want that to happen because tons of people listen to it and you'll be super famous and get, get all the money and all the candy and all the girls or boys or whatever you desire. If you want tortoises, maybe you'll get tortoises. This is the new logo shirt. Yes, we do have it for sale, although we sold a lot of them at the Brooklyn Book Festival. So uh, if you didn't come by our booth, uh, regrets. <laughs> but this is what it looks like. Uh, I do believe that is all the announcements, so we're just going to get right to it. Our first poet of the night is the teacher that just led you in a workshop. If you were here, give it up for Patricia Spears-Jones. Oh, well, that's other things you can get at Alice's Restaurant. Hi! So there's two more of these left over there. 15 bucks, buy them. Because I, you know. So here is a uh, poem that's in my fabulous book. Self-Portrait as Midnight Storm. And it's kind of architectural, that's why I'm reading it. Tossing the steel mesh trash cans is so much fun. Not as much as juggling broken umbrellas or rocking the yellow taxis or the last of the Lincoln town cars. 
ferrying passengers drenched and stimulated. The start of a new day and the pitch is black with stimulation. My sheets of rain. Oh, look at the angry boys drunk and holy as they try mimic storm. They reel, the really large guy's huge fist hits a bus stop carousel. It pebbles to the sidewalk, hundreds of green nuggets, his holy hand unblemished by blood. Foolish boys, foolish boys, your anger is no storm and your howling bears little glamour. The wolves in your throats have long since left you. And here in the rain, your pain is small, durable, and yet the pebbles scatter about reminder of uglier private deeds. As for my wind, my rain, my tossing back the moon's soft gleam means little to windows stood still storm after storm, centurions of design. They raise my ire and lash, lash, lash. I throw against glass, the sash, a square reflection of domestic armature. As for the painted wood doors, they are easily broken. And a couple more. Uh, another kind of thing, one of my favorite prompts to myself, and you can use this, is that I just take a line from a really fine poem by a poet who I admire. And here is a line from Brenda Hillman. And the poem is called An American Haze, and the first line of the poem is a line from one of her poems. Quote, of thunderclouds, cracks, and volunteers. Trumpeter lilies argue the loudest sense. You could wrap a fiesta with that smell. And when done, you will know you're at a funeral parlor and tears are falling, falling. Stars brighten dancing figures, the ones that Jasper Johns remixes. Oh, elderly DJ, got that pepper in his pocket. Who knows these people in the desert? Volunteers. Come with food and water left for desperados. The men, women, children stumbling into an American haze. They too, these volunteers, are illegal. Told to leave the desert unfootprinted, even as the men, women, children mark the earth, calling on insects, birds, and beasts to follow, to gather, to take what is left of the stumbled bodies. The border between good and evil can be porous, or hard as heel, steel, or an ideology of hatred. Mm -hmm. The country is full of ideologues, and the border cracks. And finally, I mean, John Charno is the latest of several poets who have passed this year. 
Uh, so this is for all of the people who have gone. Uh, I'm an Episcopalian, and so one of the uh, prayers is, may perpetual light shine. We have encountered storms, perfect in their drench and wreck. Each of us bears an ornament of grief, a ring, a notebook, a ticket-torn scar. It is how humans know their kind. What is known as love, what can become the heart's food stored away for some future famine? Love remains a jewel in the hand, guarded, shared fragments of earth and air, drift and despair. We ponder what patterns matter other than moon and tides, syncopated beats, rumba or swing or cha-cha-cha. Cosmic waves are batons furiously twirling, colors proclaiming sparkle in this darkness as those we love delight in the stars embracing. Thank you. Keep me going for Patricia Spears Jones, our workshop leader, feature reader. If you don't know Patricia's work, you should. You can definitely get one of her books over there. Uh, a Brooklyn legend, really. She's in the Brooklyn Poets Anthology. She's a much awarded poet. Is that really, that's not a great adverb. Much lauded, but that doesn't indicate that you've won a lot of awards. <laughs> Just fabulous. That's probably the best way to describe her. Uh, thank you, Patricia. You're always amazing. Uh, we are on to the open mic list proper. Let's give it up for Jerry Wagoner, our first poet tonight. Good evening. A little lower? A little lower. Yeah, thanks, Arthur. Sounds good, huh? Yeah? yeah. All right. Uh, I guess just, just a couple of people have heard this, so. Advice? to my brother's grandchildren. The coolest job in America is measuring the scales of observation, those discrete moments between mythic epics and quotidian sagas. In the upstairs bathroom, for example, small silvery fish scrape the rice from gathered intel to fill the space between floor and wall. This is not a metaphor. Defenses must be erected against Kafkaesque roach encroachments, masked as spring-loaded toy missile launchers. Yet, what disturbs me more is there are parts I neglect in the shower since I did not update my barriers and became the distant, silent father, annoyed by people who didn't get the other stuff, like mountains, deserts, rivers, or forests. For each allows you to discreetly find adventure disguised as that which must be maintained in relation to the fact that your parents were hard on each other. And your mom's blind spots in the before time is why there are no small jobs. Math is hard for all of us. 
Christmas. So Samuel explained that taxes and conscription will only make you weep. That even though innocence won't rail against dead ice cube timers, you will lament the day you learn that neither of you is probably who either wants each other to be. And the lilies of the field will reach through the ineffable to nurse your pain until it becomes your well, your only water. Sever, therefore, all ties to your former life with the intensity of the poor typesetter bound for South America to make cocoa tea steeped in regret. Do not think to change clothes. The assignation of significance relative to the fact creates the source of both nuance and contention. Read more literature than fiction. After Siddhartha kissed Daisy, his mind never again romped. Instead, he was engorged through superb self-control, enabling him to fuck his way to a paradise where the real pain of loss, the endless self-recriminations and the darkest doubts are most keenly felt. A lagoon where the Sermon on the Mount sounds like Mongolian throat singing and the storied Potsdam pickup only matters because Ruftar will always find common sense logical. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> Our next reader is Bonnie Belay. Give it up for Bonnie. Hey. something I'm currently working on. As it goes down, it's sort of less worked out. Okay. Early fall diary. One. The August sky is fall blue. Summer starts to expire. We eat at a French bistro a few blocks from the home, our home. A mix of new apartments and old commerce. The bistro directly across from a place that fixes flats. I order an omelet with goat cheese and spinach. You order a French grilled cheese, emblems of privilege. <laughs> Any block in Brooklyn could be in a foreign country. Costco could be off a highway in Mexico. <laughs> Deep Brooklyn could be in a dream you can't remember when you wake up. The dog sits at our feet, barks once, and turns over the table. Two, cherries, hard, crisp, cooked, wheat. Cherries, hard, crisp, ended weeks ago. Peaches and local nectarines over mid-September. To wait for next season seems like hardship. 50 years ago, I bought my fruit too soft because I didn't believe it would ripen in my kitchen. I didn't store it properly. 50 years ago, there were months and months of not working, years traveling, nothing accomplished. But I saw part of the world, and the world was spectacular. My recipes came from a single James Beard paperback. I still think, what's the least I can do and eat dinner? 
I don't regret summer dying off. Three, cold coming, a few crimson leaves on the tupelo, pokeweed berries turning deep purple, bright crimson stems, apples at every stall in the farmer's market, cool air opens the senses, everything changes. I want it to stop, life different every moment. Just when I settle in, a friend dies, another in the hospital for the fifth time this year and 70 turns to 80 and maybe 90. You get so old, you lose everything before you die. Four, 50 degrees, the heat doesn't come on. I sit with a heavy sweater over my nightgown. Julian says the TV's too loud, I turn it down. I go to bed at one. Phil is already in bed and sleeps until morning. Julian gets up at 3 a.m. to be alone. Autistic, 29. He wants independence and doesn't know how to get it. He also wants nothing to change. I'm as stuck in this house with him as he is stuck in his life. I get up at two, right until four, sleep a wrinkle in time that I never find the bridge to. To live in, oh, five. Claudastra lutea turns yellow. The last asters are purple. We walk the dog. He tries to sit at every bench because yesterday we sat on a bench. He's very opinionated. <laughs> he takes comfort from the sameness of life, from knowing at every point the direction home. I want life to take a turn, to walk on sun-drenched streets, eat nameless fruit, eat food bragging of spice, to live anywhere Trump is not president. <laughs> Good stuff, Bonnie Belay. What was that line about dinner again? <laughs> that, that that described my yeah. That described like my entire twenties and much of my thirties. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm I'm married now, so and, and my wife is a pretty good cook. <laughs> uh, our next reader is Renee K. Get up for Renee. I had to move this mic once without Arthur. It's the worst night of my life. <laughs> Indispensable. Uh, Indispensable. Um, so as some of you may know, last week was Mental Health Awareness Day, um, which kind of prompted this poem for me. Um, it's a very, very, very early draft that I'm hoping I will figure out how to finish by reading it to you all. <laughs> and it is called, Let Me Write an Ode to Something. Let me mourn my miscarried childhood, my father's lobotomy. Let me wrap this blank where something should be in a newborn's cloth. Let me read its stories, tell it goodnight. Let me sleep in an ocean of black lace. Let me pile it high in an altar to the god of empty space. Let me pray, let me pray. Some ode to the thing I do not know I am missing. Some mother that was not mine. Some button locked in the floorboards of my apartment. Let me thank it for its persistence in being somewhere that is not here. Let me be not here. Let me sing a hymn over the subway rumbling on some journey that is not mine. Let me bless that motion carrying forward anyone who wishes to go forward. But let me be still. Let me be left behind. Let me have this empty space. Name it something that's mine. Thank you.
you. We finally heard the poem. We gave us a teaser in the workshop. That's the first time that's ever happened, by the way. I think that was a good strategy to get us excited to hear the poem. Um, okay, our next reader is a great poet, also uh, hosts a podcast, which he can maybe tell you about. Give it up for VJR Nathan. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm maybe a little lower, yeah. Thank you. So I do a weekly uh, talk show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Stuff and look it up. Truth to Power show. And I mostly interview poets for the most part. I don't know. I have a lot of people. But anyway, uh, this is from um, the anti-love poem I took here at Brooklyn Poets with uh, Vanessa Gap. So I, I wrote this poem out of that workshop. That holy singing ashtray this black, round-shaped asphalt segment has Jessica scrawled on its surface, I discover, on the front walk to my parents' house. That replied to my inquiry into its origins. While the CIA didn't write your first fuck's name on a discarded roof shingling, this acceptance floods over impulses to investigate. That sky opens up before me, its vast majesty terrifying. This solitude a focal point to vast universes. No, my, my grasp tightens. These chains close around me. That yellow, round-shaped tablet with its inscription, A15, this sense of control returns. That past, a series of slamming doors, that not looking, its own backwards glance. This private web of firing, neurons, the only healing I know. That gold-plated brass singing bowl, my makeshift ashtray. This discarded cigarette smoke, these Tibetan letters and holy images obscured by that smoldering. Thank you. Thank you, definitely check out VJ's podcast. He's wearing a good sweatshirt. Uh, you could take that workshop, too, with Vanessa Jimenez-Gab. She teaches it online. It's called the Modern Anti-Love Poem, which is like the only kind of love poem, really. If you've ever read love poems, you know they're all kind of anti-love poems, all the best ones. Uh, our next reader, I just had the privilege of singing karaoke with a couple nights ago. Give it up for Phil Eggers. Um, I finished this at like four o'clock in the afternoon, so uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Grief has got a way of opening up doors. Grief has got a way of letting in ghouls. And now something inside of me is screaming. There's a little black devil living on my tongue lapping up the liquor and always wanting more. Within my loss, I prayed for instant relief when I should have striven for strength. And now I feel only just one thing. Fuck it. It costs nothing to sink. It takes little to lie down. So what to a thinning wallet? So what to yellow, sallow skin? So what to my memory slipping further and further away each and every night? So what? Who cares? When something inside of you is screaming, a little black devil living on your tongue, lapping up the liquor and always wanting more. 
Let it take me down to where I'd rather be, deep within a night of nothing. Yet here and there, and every now and then, I remembered the little light within, an ember of what I once was. And here and there, and every now and then, I catch it whispering to me, the grief that you have given and given and given is gone. Sadness need no longer surround you. Here I have two different voices, both playing at their purposes, selling me on two different lives to live. And maybe on a nice day with a good sun and better sky, I think I know which road I'd rather walk. I think I know the man I'd like to be, a practitioner of presence and peace, a body bent on healing, a celebrator of stillness. Yet still, that which was let in won't so easily let itself out. No matter the miles I ride, pedaling and pushing at my best self, no matter the minutes I meditate, mindfully making the choice to be here now, no matter the community, the healthy diet and rest, something inside of me is screaming. A little black devil is still living on my tongue, lapping up the liquor and always wanting more. Within my loss, I prayed for instant relief instead of striving for strength. And I can't help but to keep on feeling just one thing. Fuck it. Thank you, Phil. Phil has a great voice. Um, it's a great, uh, you know, I love his poetry too, but you, you know, you don't know who has a great voice, you know, until they start singing. You're like, damn, <laughs> you can really belt it out. Um, maybe next time one of you can come sing karaoke with me. It's like a special privilege of, uh, you, ha you have to come to at least 30 yops <laughs> before, before you were invited. That's true. I didn't send you an invite, but, uh, but you live in Jersey. That's why we were singing in, we were singing in Gowanus. It's very... I'm going to invite you next time because I think it'll be fun. <laughs> Our next reader has probably passed a flyer to you at some point this evening. Give it up for Harvey Sachs. Play with the mic. Give it some it's pleasure. Ballot, so I, I know it. I know it. Usually you go up and down a couple of times, but anyway. Oh, oh, okay. oh, all right. <laughs> I won't touch that since you've touched it. Um, at any rate, um, most of you, I guess, have gotten flyers from me, if not now. In the past, I host uh, an open night with features on the third, usually on the third sun Saturday of every month from four to six at the historic and did his historic Montauk Club built in 1891 after a Venetian palazzo. Our next reading will be this Saturday, uh, at which I'll be featuring along with um, Stephen Bluestone, whose last book was nominated for uh, a National Book Award. Uh, hmm? No, 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 no. It's uh, something, something with monkeys. <laughs> I, I should know, but I don't. <laughs> um, got the bio somewhere on my phone. But at any rate, uh, we usually give about five to seven minutes for uh, open micers. Uh, and uh, we start late enough so that you can get brunch, end early enough so that you can go wherever the hell you want to go, 
in the evening. You're all invited. It's right around the corner from the Grand Army Plaza subway stop. This one is called Synchronicity. We founded a city in the clouds, a floaty thing shimmying to a circadian rhythm, named it Synchronicity, populated it with far thinkers studying humility from on high. No longer tied to the earth below, we'd surrendered as all but uninhabitable. We let the wind tell us where to go. Cyclopean eye of a storm whistled us down with the imperiousness of a traffic cop directing us to go straight to hell. We thought we'd finally blended in, become part of an ecosystem. Apparently not. Excluded from happy hour, we paid full price, the north wind reflexively buffeting us about as if trying to scrape imprudently tossed gum off against a mountainside. All other flying things, from eagle to the humblest of sparrows, ostracized us. Down drafts jounced our collective ass twerking against gravity. Elvis impersonator shaking us like a pebble out of the sky's blue suede shoe. Moved, we offered reparations, sought a payment plan. Crow demanded we take our garbage elsewhere. Old soul threatened to melt any wax wings we might have brought on board unless we wrote in a legible hand on a blackboard, fuck Icarus 100,000 times. Spell checked, we sent our children out to fetch more chalk. Flashes of a planet's anger drove us to our knees, if not yet into the ground, leading us to apologize profusely, mostly sincerely, for all our misdeeds, for all I carry in hubris from the beginning of the world to the end of time. Hallmark, when every town boasted a hallmark, Never saw such a sorry I hurt you card, one with so many signers. Supplicants before a suppurating wound, we rendered up Aztec sacrifice to mollify inflamed sunspots. Still we were shunned, the elements playing ping pong with us. A murder of crows stuck out their tongues. Killer bees came at us in waves. Dolphins and whales ensnared in takeout bags flung death songs at us. Seemingly everything not human dashed and smashed us at every turn from here to there. Pinball in the pinball machine of the lower stratosphere. With all this push and pull, we soon realized that we were in limbo, not going anywhere without divine intervention. Caught in a gumbo of our own making. The clouds parting like prison butt cheeks to reveal the shithole of destruction we'd left below. Wow. <laughs> you had me at uh, collective ass twerking against gravity. And then you said the clouds parted like prison butt cheeks. <laughs> Harvey, man. 
That was that was singular. Our next poet sometimes grails at our events, and for that he is beloved. Give it up for Tim Gerber Fleury. So what Jason didn't tell you about karaoke is that he didn't send the invites. I did. So if you want to go to karaoke, all right. Um, this guy has two... We'll talk about it later. Um, this poem has two inspirations. One, uh, I started on my brother's birthday, and the other one is Miller Oberman, who's a dear mentor to me, in a way. So this is fawn brother after Miller Oberman's wolf brother. On the day of his birthday, the thought of my brother stayed with me, as <coughs> stayed with me at the, as the day grew old, hours after hours, from dawn to noon, to dusk. His face was out of my window and in my coffee cup. He was as real and ethereal, ID, hope, beacon, the man I walk behind. The thought of him, I thought of him as the allegory of spring, born on its first day, the bearer of melodies and laughter shared. I spoke words of love in the winds of the afternoon, sending them flying like seeds, hoping they would reach him and bloom in his garden. While my day came to a close, in the comfort of our home, he sat in a deep couch and wrote music. He fell asleep, I want to think, singing. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. That's true. I should, first of all, I should have remembered that you were also at karaoke. <laughs> and uh, secondly, that that was your party that you organized for, for his dear wife, Lauren Gerber-Fleury, who uh, is not here today. It was her 30th birthday. So uh, happy birthday to Lauren. Again, we'll just record that on the podcast so you, she can listen to it and be pleased. Our next reader uh, has finally gone on the advance list. I'm very excited for her. She's been she's been really trying to get on here for it seems like months. But uh, tonight is the night. Give it up for Kiara D. Lalo. Thank you. I guess I shouldn't share my secret, should I? But it really involves taking out your phone and going to that website that Jason mentioned before you get on the train to go home. Yeah. Um, happy Indigenous Peoples Day, y'all. Um, this is a poem that I started this summer um, when I went on my very first residency ever. Um, I was on a farm in Vermont, um, and as a native New Yorker, I lived out of a camper for a week, so I never knew I could do that. Um, and I started this poem out of the weirdness of what it was like to be a New Yorker and a white person in New Hampshire and Vermont that week. And then I finished it a few weeks ago when I heard the author of the book, So You Want to Talk About Race, um, Ijioma Oluo, speaking at BAM. And she said, as a white person, here's your work. Your work is to figure out what it would look like to have an identity that's not based on the oppression of other people. So that's where I'm coming at it from. It makes me uncomfortable. It's okay if it makes you uncomfortable. Um, and it's a poem called Poem on Unceded Land. Mm. 
Here is the block quilt pattern where the river stitches New Hampshire to Vermont. Tiny town, greenest hills, trucks, hatchbacks, a truck carrying a hatchback, white church, white faces, maple ice cream in a child's hand, stars and bars over a barn. And they call me Sweetie where I go for fancy coffee at the Combination Arts Collective Cafe and there's live bait in the cooler beside the cold beer. Prim red brick library, stickered pickup outside the general store, its driver in a sleeveless shirt yelling, watch out, brakes are busted. Facing the green, a porch sign saying, guns welcome here. From the 10 cent bins at the vintage shop, this town will sell you picture postcards of itself. Covered bridge, unseated land, wood frame houses, colonizers raid, and I order the local specialty, and I take off my shoes in the grass. Sports sandals, first blood. From it, of it, off it, clear it. They never said in history class what it means to hold massacre in the same hand as home, to match theft to places ready to belong me right in. University, atrocity, stately green, nation's shame. Before we said, don't tread on me, whose tread was light over these mountains? Abenaki, Penacook, Pequawket, family farm, ancestral land. And me, twice transplanted, with the centuries weighing my soft-serve happy heart, raveling the myth of this land, this land, unpicking stitches like pulling up the too perfect grass. Thank you. Thank you, good stuff. I'm glad you finally got up here on the advance list. I find that pairing of university and atrocity to, to really hit home for me <laughs> as someone who teaches in the academy. I see this every day uh, in my classes. That's enough about that. Our next reader uh, is a fine poet as one of our Whitman Bicentennial Contest winners. Give it up for Constantine Jones. It's an honor to go after Kiara. I love your work, you know that. Um, Uh, this is a this is a um, movement from a new project I'm working on called Death Medley Blues, um, and as with all my work, it's dedicated to anyone whose lives have been touched by HIV or AIDS, uh, both those uh, still here and those still not. So, um, this is called Crossroad Blues or O Death Reprisal. The center was hard to find on account of the scaffolding they put up around the church. I can't remember did I walk there or come up at the subway, but either way, all of a sudden, the sky was gone. I'm early for once, and it's looking like rain. Hi, hello. Is there somewhere I can just sit a sec, charge my phone? Yeah, anywhere, actually. There wasn't one of these back home. I wonder, would it have made a difference? Would death have come with me then to that place? Would the people feel uncomfortable? Would death? Patty Smith had a new book out. That's what I had in my bag. I was trying to read it, but all I could focus on was the coffee, how she'd sniff him out, every special cup anywhere she went. 
I was in the center cafe, but suddenly I wanted the chase. I went to the deli nearby, paid a dollar, it wasn't the same. Then I just felt silly. Sitting there in the AIDS Memorial Park, too ashamed to go back inside the center. The clouds, I wish they'd just make up their minds already. Come on down, see the pigeons, the people. Skateboard clatter on the poem. Did you know Jenny Holzer picked the Walt Whitman lines for the memorial? See? It says it right there on the plaque. Oh, death. Where were you? Where were you then? Sure, I had questions, but could you answer them? Would you even? And anyway, was it any easier back home? Driving out south across the river. At night, the big neon JFG coffee sign coming up at the dark trees. On our way out to the poison lawn, some show or other passing through. We all were. Hey, pass me a beer. Where y'all from? Cool. Cool. Yeah, I love it there. Come on back soon. Come back. Like any place good, it's closed down now. Something else. They're just not anything. The word archive has a history, but I don't know it. Memorial, though, that one I do know. Still, here I am. Am I being remembered or just being? Can I be both? Who would I ask? Who will I give my past to? Who will I leave to sift through or burn these boxes? The vanity of it. Will you, death, I mean, do you remember everyone? How can you? Still here, that's the phrase that gets me. Because you can be here sitting still, or you can be gone and yet also here still. Still as in ongoing. Still as in always happening again for the first time. Going on even after. Even though. God damn, my head's a wreck. Is there scaffolding for that? Tiny men to scurry across it, patch me up? No, I don't think so. On the walk back through the AIDS Memorial Park, I see a pigeon get run over in the street. It was standing there with its mate, or maybe just another pigeon, I don't know. Neck snapped right in half, the blood was brighter than I expected. I heard the bones, so I just turned to watch it, and the other bird just turned to watch it too. We just stood there, watching it. Crossing the street the other way, two boys were holding hands, they also saw it happen, making big gestures and sad noises. I turned back around and headed for the train. Oh, death. If you wanted to say hi, why not just say so? Thank you. Goddamn, goddamn. Good stuff, Constantine Jones. Uh, I thought pigeons were invincible. I'm amazed not only did one die, but that you were there to record it. Seems uh, really, I was going to say opportune, but then that sounds cruel. Uh, coincidental? Very unlikely. Uh, let's review those readers since we are at the 10 reader mark. Uh, that was Constantine Jones. Before Is it Kiara or Chiara, by the way? It's Kiara, right? So I had it right. Constantine Jones, Kiara DeLelo, Tim Gerber Fleury, Harvey Sauce, Phil Eggers, VJR, Nathan, Renee K, Bonnie Belay, and Jerry Wagoner. Our next reader. First time Yopper of the Year. Many of you know him if you're here from, uh, with us from the beginning. Give it up for Ricardo Hernandez. Yes, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. And fuck Christopher Columbus. That mama bicho, that pillage of the high seas. All right. This poem kind of started out as just me chopping up 
poems to figure out if I was a poet, but then it morphed into an observation of many different readings and series that I have been to. So it's called, What Makes You a Poet? Is it you tucked away on somebody's bookshelf amongst a number of other somebodies tucked away on said bookshelf as their collection of death? Is it being a metaphor addict, one that finds the need to seek out dealers that dish out fluorescent PhDs in order to read allegorical texts? Are you the type to consume the whole mangled, unconventional, abstract mind of your peers in a cozy setting like your living room or the local library's basement or in the back of bookstores or under the Brooklyn Bridge? Are your astronaut eyes fit to explore lexicon collisions in the muted sky high above or in the broken ground beneath our feet or in the dead ocean of our dreams or in the lungs of our petrified forests? Can you connect tapestry between a thousand tongues, translate elegy into verse, vibrate higher to exchange air for gold as you recite three minutes or less at the open mic? Is the real you doing the fucking job, chasing each verse, each page, dissecting all the lines with a heaping pile of fuck you not, reducing your tormented labyrinth of God complex to rubble? Have you ever confused a naked angel leaping out the darkness with the excitement ran across their forehead and took that message as an invite to take advantage? Tell me, what makes you a poet? Snapping fingers in a room full of ears, a daunting task built around your fears, bombardment of ego out your mouth, being so inebriated you fail, to, you fail at reading from your drunken napkin scribbles? Tell me, what makes you a poet? hammering at an unforgiven keyboard, submitting an ungodly amount of work, encroaching on the time allotted to all, murmurs in the front row while another poet recites their worth. Tell me, what makes you a poet? Listening to the wind for advice, putting your ear to an unknown grave, burying your thoughts in diminishing verse, disappearing prior to the featured poet since you were called up early. Tell me, what makes you a poet? Writing the word, writing the line, writing the poem. Tell me, what makes you a poet? Writing the poem? Well, then maybe the question shouldn't be what makes you a poet. Perhaps it should be what poem makes you a poet. Thank you. Okay, getting deep, getting deep there at the end, Ricky. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> there is a, that's what Alan Grossman says. There's a great Alan Grossman essay where he says, po poets don't make poems, poems make poets. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> that's so true. Um, is Luca Rade here? Is it Rade? Everyone is not me. Give it up for Luca Rade. That's the first accurate introduction of my name that has ever happened. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, so this poem was written in the throes of a past shitty environment I was in, uh, observing people around me and things happening to myself. Uh, it is as yet untitled. <clears throat> In 
In peace, in poison, far in death, a pistol smokes its final air, singing, sinking into closing eyes and closing chest and dangling hair. A pistol rusts from rusting chair, from rusting spite and rusting flare. Then with a gasp, last gasp of air, the gust of wind runs out. The gust of days long gone in sighs, of young and youthful pains and highs. The crusted vacuum of its lair now strangles night into its mare. Thank you. Thank you, Luca. That was your first time here, right? Yep. Give it up for Luca, the op debuter. I'm glad I got your name right. It is, it isn't always that I get the name right the first time around. Uh, our next reader is definitely a name I had to figure out the first time. Give it up for Melody Chaikali. So this poem, poem was born out of a family reunion I went to two months ago where I was bamboozled, but we don't have time for the story. <laughs> so we'll talk about, it ended up being a fundraiser, horrible. Anyway, um, <laughs> terrible. So the poem is called Minutes for Self-Reflection. I find myself surrounded by a white cloud filled with faces of people I can never look like not our eyes or hair or the sounds our mouths make. Both hearts and minds do not match, but the white cloud lives forever floating in blue beauty and I still look for somewhere I belong. Through the clouds, an oasis appears, palms, sands, and a sea of lush people, a mixture of the color of earth where our skin blends with history, my eyes matching those watching me float in the cloud. Our voices creating a melody played for belly dancers, and yet I still feel as though my story is not of Arabian Nights. I do not see myself in any place. Bits of me hover in the sky, creating clouds used for shape-shifting. Parts of me found in grains of sand and genie lamps, creating stories for people who do not look like me. And all the while, I am still looking for somewhere I belong. Well, I hope you feel like you belong here. We definitely think you do, so welcome again. <laughs> I like that polite applause. Thank you all. Thank, thanks, everyone. <laughs> that was a heart-to-heart -heart followed by polite applause. <laughs> uh, our next reader is Jared Friend. Give it up for Jared. Hey, thanks. I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Uh, Y'all look great. Good outfit, good makeup. Look oh, stop it. No, keep going. <laughs> yeah, come on, stop it. Like, let me hear it. Um, I've got this poem. It's kind of short, and it's cheekily named uh, Poem. I've been reading a lot of Frank O'Hare, and he does that all the time. So, shouts out, Frankie boy. Um, poem. I began in another body. I lived 20 years and spoke very softly. And when I died, I was buried. Above me, the world fried, distraught, worry fraught, head full of air and time forgot to tell a knotted secret from a spotted cage rubbed raw on the plastic. 
Sticking with sweat and wind swept, a defiant mood I kept, each breath heaven sent, Jesus wept, though off the pages of metaphor his life was actually quite a bore, and love becomes a chore, and in the court of the king I prostrate myself and kiss your ring. Here in the west we are hero-rich and love-starved, looking long into the night down the street's glowing lights. I am a black velvet curtain of stars and moons, and an air of mystery, call it a cloud of pretense, as thick as a knife's blade, and at the center of it androgynous, and in between, like the TV when it freezes in the middle frame, and you see a little bit of both, separated by a spaced out white light so quick you can't see it, and after there have been 100 of the days I said I could never do it again, here I am at the top of it all, bored to death. Bye. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Frankie boy. I feel like he would have appreciated that. Uh, <laughs> our next reader is, it's, uh, is it Jablon or Jablon? Seth? Oh, yeah, is it, so how is it? Say it. It's not like, it's not like Jablon, because that, that would be so sophisticated. Give it up there, Seth Jablon. I should say, I have also sung karaoke with Seth. That's crazy. That's three readers tonight. It's a theme for tonight. Uh, this poem is called Edge of a Starry Night. And so we flew deeper into the bright silverlit void, flung, as it were, backs pressed dreamily against our planet's swelling hull, sinking more into millions of sand, mirroring the star-cast voids open arms, and star-speckled brilliant veil. And so we sang each other, naked, tumbling, washing clean against both shores, fingers laced in joint agreement, voyagers in eternity's firm delight. There is no other time, nor will be. And so we swung, laying easy on terrestrial balcony, leaning out over bow of our grand galactic ship flying, and the stars so sung us, knowing us, and humming with supersonic celestial harmony, silently filling us up and rendering us void and full and shattered and whole. And so we spoke without words and did not speak and knew the stars as they knew us and knew each other as they would have it be so. Time breached and infinitely satisfied and the world swung about the same, dancing the dance of wild creation. All together replied all at once, there is no other time, nor ever will be, only now, and here is your home. Good stuff, thank you. It's <laughs> definitely the first time three readers have Sung karaoke with me. <laughs> the, um, wow. So those are two separate nights, actually. At, uh, at Insun it gives you the impression that I sing karaoke all the time, which, which I do not. But uh, it just so happens that three people I did that with. Yeah, I'm like a, I actually kind of am a karaoke junkie, but uh, it's good that I don't. Because when I go, I spend a lot of, in fact, there's another guy here, Adam, who's sitting on the floor who's not going to read, who I also sang karaoke with. <laughs> <laughs> it's really getting embarrassing. Um, but, wow, yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, maybe if this goes on long enough, I'll sing you a song. Our next poet of the night is someone you would know well. He, he not only is a great poet, but adjusts Mike with extreme efficiency. Get it for Arthur Russell. Self-adjusting. <laughs> so <laughs> so th this is the Red Wheelbarrow Journal came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I've got 20 pages of poems in it because I'm the featured poet. And you want to buy a copy? They're 20, 15 bucks. I have two copies with me because I already sold 10. <clears throat> and um, I want to read a poem to you that's seasonal in nature. It's called In Autumn. When you stop to watch the geese, what do you think about? I mean, if you let them all the way in, are they individuals, a team of strangers, or a symbol of passing time? They're numerous and noisy enough to grab your attention at least a couple of times during the weeks of their migration. Banked against a white sky, Blue sky, black sky, wet sky. Above the trees or sailing over Franklin Avenue, they'll interrupt you with their honking as you get ready to feed the meter, as you drain and coil the garden hoses. Whenever it happens, you're the ones staying, and they're the ones going. That never varies. You're on the ground, they're in the air. You wonder who's got the better bargain. They beat their handsome, long, dark wings. They haul their oblong bodies through the white sky with their beaks set hard towards a place they're sure of. And you stand there in the middle of life, with your hands and mouth and whatever else you use to earn your keep. You stand there, you watch them, and you have your ruminations like these, in which the geese are nothing more than natural machines with no understanding of what it means to be alive, flying by compulsion with no sense of why. And you wonder if they look down and think that you are a natural machine, no more alive than they are, standing at a parking meter. There is a scissoring sort of sadness in the way the wedge of them disappears, passing over a copse of trees that have mostly lost their leaves, and how their honking continues to reach you after they go how it seems to bounce off the low clouds like a radio playing inside a closet. Thank you. Thank you. That was, uh, that was very Yatesian. No? Never heard of a <laughs> <laughs> Very Yatesian. Uh, I like that. It was like Yates, uh, the Jersey Yates, basically. Yeah. Which is a high compliment, in my opinion. Yates and I used to do karaoke together. <laughs> karaoke? 
I wish uh, I think that was recorded karaoke. Um, that was priceless. Just <laughs> our next reader is a uh, former Broken Poets fellow. She's sitting right next to you. In fact, give it up for Shanice Hughes Greenberg. Thank you, Arthur. I need that. Hi, everyone. Hi, um, I'm going to read a poem that's inspired by a Stevie Wonder song. Um, and that song is Knocks Me Off My Feet. I don't know if you heard it. It's on Spotify. I, I would sing that. I would sing that at karaoke. Um, my usual go-to is um, Killing Me Softly, the Roberta Flack version. But I mean, both versions are great. Um, anyway, so here's the poem. I don't want to bore you with it, but I'm tired. Tired of begging for the love I'm owed for what I've given. Gave, maybe too easy, like the leak staining the ceiling, the sunlight gathering after 5 a.m. to walk into the trees. I don't want to bore you with it, but the record needs to be flipped. The needle set into the song I play to tell you that I love you that I mouth those words into the air at night and no one repeats them back, mm -hmm. not even the static behind the sound. I don't want to bore you with my needs, my want, this poem even, a catalog of past hurts presented as evidence, testimony I can love but keep loving wrong, keep remembering phantom hands holding the parts of me that ask to be held. I don't want to bore you with it, but the blame can't be carried on my back alone. My tan lines fading into another sweater, the tree out front gone gold in the weeks to come. More and more my troubles fade until your face blurs back into memory, a melody I haven't heard in months. Thank you. Excellent. So Shanice was a uh, retreat fellow, our, our retreat in the Hamptons, which is like the, uh, I guess the, yeah. the partner of the Hudson Valley retreat. Y'all look at me like, what the fuck is, where is he going with this? The companion piece is what I was thinking of. You know how there's like poems and there's like companion poems? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing. Sometimes people are like, this poem is like a companion poem for that poem. So the Hudson Valley retreat is like a companion retreat for the Hudson retreat. That's enough of that. Uh, our next reader is uh, uh, the, as I mentioned before, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally losing my train of thought, uh, the former winner of Poem of the Month last month. Give it up for Kyle Brosnahan. Hello. Uh, yeah, all right, I'll just read this poem. Uh, this one is called The Sleepwalker. Oblivion Lurker. Echo weeper, myth faker. He believes in one thing and then the rest. Fate craver, light tamer, meaning swallower. Nothing wakes him up. Dream called and vision faded. Flower tossed, rain kissed, image soaked, garden given, horizon bound and blood leashed. Clock spilled, song stretched, bliss shackled. Sun loved and heaven spent, swan turned, fruit born, 
an experience tasted, grass crowned, passion plunged, moon held, blossom gripped, blossom governed, bloom bent, wild wed. The sun reminds him of himself, phoenix risen, rose rattled, system swerved, dawn ridden, an angel wooed. He reaches for the sky, weather woven, with peach thirst, with hope burned, violet veiled, and earth ushered, flower sprung, and river lifted, witness worshipped as yellow yearned, longing lured, desire dazzled as warmth charmed, petal pined, pleasure poured as sky studied, star drawn, smile swelled, awe lost, peace promised, morning taught he begins, shiver clung, rejoicing he leaves the garden, westward and soul sung, road loosed, cloud ruled, garden torn and thought burdened, crumb fed, distance raveled as presence passed, tremble locked, shelter shorn and wind swayed, storm starved, valley burst and canyon marched, howl carried, howl followed, chaos vaulted, future crowded, age ruined, age kept, body bowed, dream flung and time hassled, footsteps, shadow stepped, sleep walked, mist worn, along the fading path, spark shut, tower tossed, throw throned, in urge rift, in dust drift, in sand sprawl, ghost grown, and plains crossed, edge rushed, spirit shelled, Eden fled, world rounded, again shed, journey proud and fear tested, homeless sent, face fallen and mask found, rag rent, night sundered and night risen, night destined, night blessed, deep in the desert of dreams, the last peony, exiled to his poor memory, he flees what he has borne. All right, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Good shirt, by the way. <laughs> Those oranges. Yeah, it's, uh, Others, other citrus, other citrus varieties as well. Well done. Our next reader is our uh, reigning yawper of the year for 2019. Give it up for Bill Livingston. <laughs> This is for my nephew, Nadiv, who died tragically at age 30 from a fall a few years ago. It's called Thoughts of Nadiv on Rosh Hashanah. Are you happy with me? A very young Nadiv would immediately and loudly ask his mother, my sister, after she yelled at him. Are you happy with me? Yes, I'm happy with you, she'd relent. A marriage to an Israeli, a conversion to Judaism, then a light speed jump to Hasidim greatly changed the, fa the family dynamic. It hit me when I put a milk spoon on a meat plate, sending Nadiv horrified running to tell his mother, I fucked up and someone's going to hell. Uncle Bill, are you rock and roll, he once asked, as I was readying my Protestant atheist self for a night on the town in New Orleans. Rock and roll as if a religion, as if Muslim, as if Christian, as if Motown, as if hip-hop. You know it, Space Buddy. 
which is what I called him ever since my goyish imagination took us to the stars at playtime, where religious dogma disappeared into the black holes between the galaxies of pure earthly love. He was the oldest boy of five children. My sister followed the laws of Hasidim until her uterus collapsed and she could bear no more. The next 25 years would be filled with simkas, happy Jewish occasions, some of which I would attend wearing a borrowed yarmulke I'd have to paperclip to my hair. Through all the weddings, dancing with men, the brises, the upchurnishes, the bar mitzvahs, the bat mitzvahs of my sister's children and their children, after all the shuls, yeshivas, synagogues, chabads, and orthodox summer camps Nadiv attended through the years of a Hebrew calendar, all never understand, I watched him become a man with a spirit, sense of humor, and chutzpah his faith could never contain." He always wore socks that were shocking pink, purple, or lavender with stripes or polka dots, a little rock and roll peeking out from under the drab monotones of the orthodox uniform. I always thought I was a horrible uncle, even though he'd always tell me I was the best. I tried living up to that by inviting him to a giant Steelers game at MetLife Stadium. But the timing didn't allow him to be so close to the inevitable barbecue in the parking lot. It was then he admitted his hatred of his religion. I realized this isn't a poem, but a caddish for a man who slipped and fell hard on an icy Brooklyn stoop on a cold day in March, holding his tiny daughter, protecting her. It was a Friday, Shabbos, and he knew that raising concern would mean using a phone, electricity, driving a car, or handling money. All verboten until Saturday at sundown. So he toughed it out until Sunday when he went into cardiac arrest and slipped into a coma from internal injuries during a school performance. The tiny waiting room at Brooklyn Methodist was filled with family, my two nieces I'd never be allowed to embrace, and loved ones I've never met waiting to hear an encouraging word. I stared at the picture he posted on Facebook three days earlier, he and his family standing in front of their house in Crown Heights, mischievous smiles on the faces of his four young children and his wife through an arranged marriage whom he immediately adored standing next to him. The only color present, his daughter's bright pink boots matching the bright pink tulips his wife was holding, and they were in a beautiful snowstorm, flakes already forming deadly ice in that captured moment. As my sister and brother-in-law hurried in from New Orleans, I made it a point to speak to the surgeon myself. With a look of disbelief, he told me he had only seen that kind of injury after a car crash or a fall from a building, that he did his best and that they'd keep him alive as long as possible. Nadeev's father-in-law's phone constantly emitting an inappropriately joyous message tone throughout. <laughs> His parents finally arrived to complete the circle of the concerned to the bereaved who would join the thousands that showed up to his funeral the next day. We were invited to enter the post-op room where Nadeev lay, still alive but unconscious, eyes open like a broken doll, tears streaming down his temples into his ears as if he knew his fate, not a drop of blood his own. The respirator chugging, chugging, moving his chest up and down with an almost desperate violence. The only other sound, the happy chirp of that fucking phone. <laughs> Hopeless, helpless, 
I moved along his gurney, past the tubes and wires and smell of antiseptic and fresh hospital sheets, bent down to his ear and whispered, Shalom, space buddy. I'm happy with you. I'm very happy with you. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's amazing. Whew. That was uh, something. Uh, let's review before we go to the wait list. And then, wow, it's already 9.45, so we're going to try to get through as many wait list posts as possible. That was Bill Livingston, that amazing poem. Kyle Brosnahan, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, Arthur Russell, Seth Jablone, Jared Friend, Melody Chaikali, and Luca Rade. We're on to the wait list, which means we're going to hear from our staff. Uh, there are, incidentally, uh, recent poets of the week on the Brooklyn Poets website. You might think that's like nepotism or something, but they were both Brooklyn Poets fellows before they became staff, so it's really not. They're just awesome. So we're first going to hear from uh, our newest intern. Give it up for Kendall Thomas. Um, so I wrote this in a workshop with Patricia, so it feels very appropriate to read it tonight. It's called Trampoline. My mother bounced up and down the night before I was born. Freckled arms pumping, she prayed with each fall that the confetti of us would rain down, fly up, float for a moment as I would. A nest awaited nine months and gone in a blink. It would dissipate to settle around us on the playful canvas still rippling, straining under the weight of us. We cry at the sight of one another, a part of one another, newly apart from one another. All the while woven strands strain. The small spaces between are windows we ignore until the woven strands fray, give way, and all the small windows become one through which we fall. We land years later on a lawn, its green faded golden and breath thick with morning mosquitoes and memories. I-24, she-48. Both of us dig through the roots to those dry golden stalks, flimsy and elusive. She looks for her lineage before her, whose buried jawlines look like hers, and I for the other half of mine behind me, taut with absence, my lineage stolen by ships, then misunderstandings, miscommunications. My fingers pierce precious places. But my mother is milky comfort, always confusing, always forgiving my search for a blackness to hide how different she made me. When, in all that mulched earth, our frenzied fingers brush, we lace them to butterfly and wiggle their prints together into topsoil, growing sticky with effort and joy. Thank you. And next, we have the tall one who takes your money. Give it up for Josephine Blair. the same height. Actually, maybe he's a little shorter. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, the tall one who takes your money, that's a great, of all the things you could have said, I'm so glad that that's what you chose to say. Um, I'm going to read a poem that I just wrote last week, so if anyone here from the workshop I'm taking right now is here, I'm sorry, it's exactly the same as when you just heard it. I don't have a title, so if you think of one, let me know. Um, okay. Morning is spinning the turntable again. 
powder flecks of dust catch open currents and ride across oak panels on sunstrokes. They play the muted light like memory. After finding roaches in our new apartment, I did research. I tried to empathize. Maybe they're part of some larger insect diaspora. Maybe their role in our ecosystem is vital. Turns out, where there are roaches, there is dust. They contort their bodies to slide through spaces thin as the width of a quarter, and if they all disappeared, the world would be just fine. <laughs> it would. The silt settling now into the window's creases glints silver. I'm noticing the black coffee in my mug isn't really black. It's brown, amber, garnet. Hold it still and it turns to stone. In a storm a few months ago, I went out and left the windows open. When I came back, Serge Gainsbourg had drowned, and the record player's hands were limp and bobbing with the waves. Across the street, a deflating kiddie pool is filled with grass clippings and last night's rainwater. The pool has completely surrendered. The neighborhood kids are splashing and squealing in the glorious squalor. When my father was their age, his father held his head underwater until my father thought maybe he would die. It's 10 a.m. I know because of the fire trucks. Every morning they come, block off the edges of the park, set up cones. Bike frames clatter, horns honk, blocks away workers slice PVC pipe with power tools. In 1920, when my father's father arrived, he didn't know the language, but he knew he was unwelcome. He learned plumbing to support his family. When his oldest son, my father, was 11, he beat the boy with a PVC pipe, told him he'd be all right, told him to heal the bruising with garlic. At its fullest height, the sun is reaching across our living room. The arms of the ferns in the corner are bobbing with the breeze, drumming their fingers against the wall. Behind the fronds, a cockroach lies dead, legs reaching. It's been there a few days already. Something's been hollowing it out. The summer I moved here, Papa and I tracked down the apartment in Brooklyn where his father first lived. We found it gutted and reconstructed, hollowed out over generations, over the years that transformed immigrants to Americans. Four fingers of Campari sit at the bottom of a thick glass bottle next to the record player. The ledge beneath it grows crisp hot orange. A monarch butterfly is dancing outside. The asphalt six floors below us becomes a river. The sun is drifting to the west side of the building. I step over wooden crates of unplayed records to refill my cup in the kitchen. Thick green ribbons are sprouting from three heads of garlic, abandoned in a small bowl on the counter. I pry a clove free and squeeze it gently between my fingers. It implodes. Another clove, a gentle squish, the same. I gather it. The peeled skin, deflated white medallions, what remains of the heads, and brush it into the garbage. A light dust settles at the bottom of the bowl. Thank you. Damn good. You can see why she works for us, right? She's not just tall, doesn't just take your money. She also... Cat sits for me sometimes. 
also uh, comes to our house for dinner. <laughs> Her and Thomas were here at our house, along with Adam and Sharon. Let's give them a round of applause. That's my dinner party from last Saturday. Y'all look so cute together. <laughs> okay, we're going we're gonna to rip through three poets, because uh, i got to get to Kelly Ginn McGarter, or I feel like she's going to kill me, because she, she emailed me personally about reading tonight. Maybe she wouldn't, but I feel like she might. Uh, <laughs> is uh, Anderson Holderness here? All right, give it up for Anderson Holderness. Uh, it's called Ghost in a Field. There's a ghost in our garden, and she's stealing our potatoes. At dawn, she appears through mist and liminal light and roots around in the dirt. She tosses pot- potatoes aside, stuffs others in a bag, and cackles maniacally when she finds a good one. We watch her from our kitchen window, sip coffee, eat eggs. Our neighbor watches, too, passing by with his dog. He waves at us. We wave back. We're, we've tried calling to the garden, planting signs, and holding astral seances, but she just knocks over birdhouses and disappears screaming. The thing is, we want her to have the potatoes. We'll give her bags and bags of good ones if we just knew how. You get the idea, oh yeah. Well, you get the idea to lie and wait overnight, buried in the dirt, except for your face. So when she begins rummaging for potatoes, you'll introduce yourself. But you fall asleep, and when you wake up, she's inspecting your foot. You whisper, hey, that's my foot, and raise out of the earth. This is how our trees catch fire, our birdhouse explodes, and she disappears screaming. Weeks go by. Her noise wakes us, and we peek through the blinds, see her sobbing into handfuls of potatoes. We debate whether to chase her away or sacrifice a goat, and whether or not she's pregnant. One night, she appears with friends. They lay on the tilled ground with, and pretend to swim in it, their neon luminescence trailing in the air above. They prank called demigods from a potato and accidentally cook it. <laughs> they appear drunk. These friends only last a week, and then she's back to sobbing into potatoes. Months of this. Until one morning, you kick open the screen door, stomp across the yard, and rip off her sheet. You grab her potato and fling it over a fence. She's so surprised she can't move. Her empty hands bewilder her. You sink down on both knees into the dirt and wrap her in your arms, saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. That's great. Thank you. Your first time here, right? Yeah, give it up for Anderson. Yep, debut. Well done. Uh, it's Jasmine Pyrick here. Give it up for Jasmine Pyrick. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, all right, this is called Effortless. Blushing leaves flirt effortlessly chase each other in circles down sun-drenched sidewalk. It should always be that easy. I look up from spreading strawberry jam over cracked wheat toast. Your gaze meets mine, softer than table butter. As you sip, a grin configures behind your coffee cup. 
I wonder if you always take it black. And for a moment, I forget that we're packed in this cafe, tables so close I am reassured that if we were to lose consciousness, we'd be held upright by ceaseless chatter. And the air around us is thick, and I am entranced by the way your bottom lip seems to hold up the world. I don't dare speak and break the sacred silence that hangs. After all, everything that might need to be spoken has already been said. And after all, even if I could form words, they would have to trudge through the molasses that has engulfed us. You know what I mean, right? Like what the world sounds like when you're underwater. The air around us is thick like a Turkish sauna and sweet, so sweet, plump, juicy, sticky with nectar, nearly too ripe. The longer we sit, the further I feel myself sliding down a tunnel, but I feel no fear. After all, I've anchored myself on your bottom lip, steadied myself on your bottom lip, your bottom lip that seems to be holding up the entire world. Our waitress maybe comes to the table clears our barely touched plates. Funny how much less sustenance is needed when you are filling up on an other. It should always come this easy. I'll opt out of being drunk in love. I want to be completely coherent, painfully sober, every sense on high, so that when I inhale you, my alveoli shriek with joy, cry brown sugar tears, cheeks rosying at the way you taste entering my bloodstream. There will be no gulping of you. Instead, I choose to take you in, in the tiniest sips, savior the salt and sweet water of your skin. And while I might like to devour you in entire, the joy of watching you across this wobbly table is far too great to be sacrificed for fear of this moment passing. I'd rather sit and admire, always remembering what you look like outside of me. Let it always be this easy. Let it always, let it all the ways be ease, be easy. Thank you. That was like a good non-anti-love love poem. <laughs> so lucky person, whoever that is. Uh, okay, we're on to the last reader. We are almost at 10 o'clock, so let's, let's do it. Give it up for Kelly Ginn McGarner. Yeah. Wait, teach Amanda Fish, he'll pet me forever. Come on, let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm frightened. <laughs> oh, you should be. This is a weird one. It's a totally different tone than everyone else's tonight, so it'll be a funny one to send off with. It's been like a year since I've been here, hence the personal email. You know, it's the hottest club. It's hard to get in. Um, so, I got back together with my ex-alien. Yeah! <laughs> I tried not to be a one-alien woman, but as it turns out, there aren't many extraterrestrials on Hinge. Fucking humans is personally off the table, and my space snuffing habit has depleted my bank account and any hopes of intergalactic travel. I suppose that's how I ended up in a bar with my ex-alien, sucking down cocktails and canisters of sulfuric acid, <laughs> and how I ended up looking in a mirror in a bathroom in my ex-alien's apartment, wondering how I'd get its skin sequins and comb out of my hair. 
<laughs> a feeling that likely led me to walk brazenly back into the bedroom and point to the parts of my ex-alien's form that Earth hadn't decided made it blush yet and feel myself blush and watch the awkward massive sequence slip under the blanket. I felt fucking mean. I just wanted a pixie sticks of space snuff and the best tentacle job I've ever gotten, but from someone else. <laughs> I wanted the juvenile god of the universe who kept scotch taping infinity sheets of black construction paper to his creation to notice my galaxy had a spelling error and a coffee ring stain and to just fuck, fucking draw me somewhere else, outside of the lines, in my favorite color marker, without cum in my hair. Thanks. <laughs> All right. That'll do it. Definitely. <laughs> It's definitely going to be the first yop that ends with the phrase, come in my hair. But not the last. <laughs> uh, I feel like you need a little context. <laughs> Killigan was one of the winners of Poem of the Month. Uh, was that last year or two years ago? It's maybe two years ago, yeah. She had a poem about being in a relationship with an alien. <laughs> should uh, go listen to that podcast, and uh, you'll have some context for that. Okay, uh, thank you for staying. Wow, this crowd is amazing. You're all still here. Most of you are still here. Not uh, The rest of you that left are dead to me. Um, you will hear it on the podcast if you listen to it. That was, that was Kelly Ginn McCarter. Before that was Jasmine Pyrick, Anderson Holderness, Josephine Blair, Kendall Thomas, Bill Livingston, Kyle Brosnahan, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, Arthur Russell, Seth... Jablon, Jared Friend, Melody Chaikali, Luca Rade, Ricardo Hernandez, Constantine Jones, Kiara DeLalo, Tim Gerberflurry, Harvey Sauce, Phil Eggers, VJR Nathan, Renee Kay, Bonnie Belay, and Jerry Wagoner. So that was tw 23 poets in total. Thank you. Was that, was that for me? Thank you. <laughs> or was that for all the poets? Yes. <laughs> uh, vote for Poem of the Month. Vote once. Uh, I'm going to obviously tell if you vote more than once. Don't tell anyone who was not here to vote, because that would just be super fucking shitty, and uh, that would just be on your conscience forever until you die in hell and, and shrivel, sh whatever the fuck happens in hell. Exactly. <laughs> True. 718-374-1953. That is the number to vote. 718-374-1953. Does anyone need that one more time? 718 374 Oh, one, nine, five, three. We will be back here in November. What is the second Monday of November? Does anyone know? It's 11th. Is it another holiday? Is it really? Oh, well, that's, we're on a roll. So uh, we'll be here for another holiday, the second Monday of November, November 11th. Uh, I thought we had a teacher lined up, but that teacher is not available that day. So the teacher is TBA. You will see it on the website. Go to brokenpoets.org. Remember the fellowship, or sorry, not the fellowship. Remember the retreat. Deadline, October 23rd for uh, early registration discount of $100. Remember the workshop deadlines. Grab a flyer if you haven't got one. Uh, thank you to our staff, Kendall and Josephine. Thank you to Arthur for adjusting the mic. Thank you for Bill Eggsden for being the opera of the year and being awesome. And uh, thanks to all of you for coming. Have a good night.
So, there you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for October 14th. First, I have to apologize for the slight reverb that uh, you probably picked up if you are listening to the podcast on your headphones. At least I can hear it on my headphones and I have no idea how it got there. Uh, I must not have checked the reverb knob. It must have been slightly turned on during the recording. And if that was uh, my fault, then I sincerely apologize. If somebody else did it who was there, then I blame you. So uh, let's pretend maybe somebody else did this and we can all just blame some anonymous person for giving us a slight reverb effect. I hope it wasn't uh, terribly inconvenient for you to listen to it that way. Uh, If it was, I suggest re-listening to the podcast without your headphones, and then you won't really hear it as much, or at all. Uh, Thanks to our uh, professor, Patricia Spears-Jones, for teaching a terrific workshop uh, at the op in October and leading our open mic with her featured set. Patricia is currently underway with her workshop girders and cables which meets every sunday uh until november late november in Bed-Stuy. uh one of the great poets in brooklyn definitely check out her work online and buy her books congrats to constantine jones winner of october yacht poem of the month for their poem crossroad blues oh death reprise a pretty badass title part of their ongoing project death medley blues you might remember constantine's Name from our Whitman Bicentennial Poetry Contest earlier in the year. Constantine won second place in our 23 and up age bracket chosen by Mark Doty. So, Constantine has earned free admission to a future yop and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown, which is only a couple of months away, not even a couple months away, just a month and a half away on December 9th, the final yop of the year. Definitely save that date. That's the really the best job of the year maybe the best poetry event of the year certainly uh our most crowd-packed event and the most exciting one to attend so definitely check that out our next job comes your way on november 11th that's another holiday as noted at the end of the podcast it is veterans day but we will be meeting us poets to celebrate veterans day and also bit also celebrate our poems of course and longtime BKP professor J.P. Howard will be leading that workshop and featuring before the open mic. So, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd love it if you would rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars. That would be awesome. We're at 28 ratings. We would love to get to 30 before the end of 2019. Uh, or, you know, 50 or 100. That would be great if we could uh, make that happen. Uh, not, not counting on it, but it would be amazing to see. Uh, leave us a review. It does help other listeners find our podcast and get these poets poems to more listeners thank you for listening once again if you want to sign up for the op or find out more information go to brooklynpoets.org we will see you hopefully on november 11th